0: Thank you so much, Jonathan and Sarah. That was beautiful. Uh, well, uh, I am so excited today. It is a very, very special day. Uh, many of you know um, Caleb and Alyssa and our relationship with uh, Hoovenet International. It's uh, uh, a ministry to Southern America that, that ministers to, to multiple countries in Southern America. and um, they uh, And we've always had just a, a huge... Heart, uh, Caleb and Alyssa, we, we've known them for years and years. I remember when I was uh, just a teenager in my youth group in Arizona, they came and visited us, and uh, they were just barely not teenagers anymore themselves, I think, and uh, uh, they were this, this young uh, missionary couple that was, uh, you know, in Southern America and Guatemala, and they were preaching the gospel, and they came and shared Jesus at our youth group, and it was just so exciting. And ever since then, we've just had a, 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 a great relationship with them and <clears throat> been able to um, uh, follow them and follow their ministry and, and watch how God has used them to impact and how HooverNet, uh has grown and how it's, uh, you know, started just, you know, just in, uh, a, you know, this like one country and it's grown into all parts of, uh, of Southern America. And, and it's been so cool that we've been as a church, as New Life, able to be a part of that. Um, Caleb and Alyssa, many of you know them. They've come and visited uh, regularly, um, and, and um, they've been a part of New Life for, gosh, as long as we have, I would, I would say. And, um, and what's really cool is, is watching God grow their ministry in, in multiple ways. And, and in one of those ways is through um, Darren and Mariah Curl. Um, Darren and Mariah, they came on uh, with Juvenet uh, a, a few years ago now. Uh, and um, Darren came in as an intern. One of our uh, first mission trip uh, to Guatemala, Darren was there as the intern. And, and uh, so we got to know him then, and we've been uh, growing that relationship with him. And, and, and then he married Mariah, and that's been awesome to, to get to know them. And Darren <clears throat> and Mariah have been great friends, and, and we've gotten to know them really well. Wow, excuse me. Uh, we've gotten to know them really well over the years, and uh, God has just blessed them in their call, and God has called them into this place of incredible, uh, an incredible work. You know, I, I, I remember as a kid, growing up, hearing about the curls in Zimbabwe, and uh, Darren uh, was there. That's where he, uh, and, I, and I know he'll share that with you, he, and, and he grew up in Zimbabwe on the missions field, and, and now here he is, and, and he's in Southern America uh, along with Mariah, and I'm just so uh, amazed by their faithfulness to God's call. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just, I have so much respect For anybody who would say, I'm going to leave everything I have. I'm going to sell everything, and I'm going to want to go to a foreign country where I don't know the language, and I'm going to live there full time. (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, but that's some faith right there. And I'm so impressed with them that they just get married, and the first thing they do when they get married is, let's go to Guatemala. Let's go to the missions field. Um, Man, that's got to be a call from God. And uh, they've been there now for uh, a couple of years, I think, and God's been uh, just blessed them there. And they led our our team this last summer. Uh, We went to El Salvador. They led us there, and we had an awesome time. It's been a powerful time. And so uh, I'm so excited to have them here with us this weekend to share. So please give a big, warm New Life welcome for Darren Curl. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Good morning, New Life. How are we doing today? Awesome, awesome. It is great to see you guys again, those of you that uh, we know, and it's great to see everybody else and all the new faces in this place. Like Pastor Trevor said, my name is Darren. My wife, Mariah, I'll pull her up here in a second so you guys can uh, meet her as well. She'll be sharing a little bit about the last summer. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to give you guys a huge just greeting, a big warm hug from Caleb and Alyssa Mooney. They extend that love to you guys from Caleb, Alyssa, and all their five kids have Yad It All Up. That's a lot of love that I hope you're receiving this morning from their family. They wish they could be here. They're praying for you guys, and please continue to pray over them as well, wherever they are today. Like Pastor Trevor said I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. I was a missionary kid. It's what I've known and what I've done my whole life. And I grew up there 15 years Then came here to the United States. And I was in Oregon and then in Washington where I met Mariah. And we began to develop our relationship together. And then about six, seven years ago, I met Caleb Mooney. And he invited me on a missions trip. And so I decided that that is something that I would like to do. And so two weeks later, I went on my first trip with Hooven Ed. And then at the end of that trip, he we said, well, what now? Do you want to intern with us? Do you want to go back home? And I said, I would love to do an internship. So I did a year-long live-in internship with them. And at the end of that year, God just said to me and us together that this is what we want to do. This is our life. This is where we believe God is calling us. And so we want to invest full-time into Juvenet, and just, you know, pour ourselves into that. And we began traveling, training with Caleb and Alyssa. They started leading us up to lead teams of groups from churches in the United States. And as we began to grow in that area about the beginning of last year, we felt together that God was calling us to move to Guatemala as full-time missionaries. And so we made that step. We were neighbors with you all, actually. We were living down in in Salt Lake and Sandy area, and we were We decided that we would sell absolutely everything that we had, our cars, our clothes, everything. And we packed up a few bags and moved down to Guatemala and began just a really beautiful journey of watching God come alongside of us and support us in that. That first summer we had there was phenomenal. And then uh, about a month after the summer kind of came down, winded down to an end, we ended up finding out that we were pregnant. And so that blew another, just blew our minds again. Um, and we really, in that moment, we were praying like, God, is. we've only been here for like a couple months, but maybe we should go back and be with family and just get help. And he said to us, no, he said that this child that I've given you is not going to take away from your calling. If anything, it's going to advance and extend the calling that I've placed on your life. So stay here and keep doing what I've asked you to do. We decided to do that. And so we, we stayed and then over the duration of the pregnancy and then through his birth and... It was beautiful to see God come alongside of us and support us and provide everything that we needed for him in his little life. And <clears throat> this is him a week after he was born. So he was born and he was uh, seven pounds, eight ounces and full of life already and healthy. And uh, he is now seven months old. He's in the back. He's being taken care of by the staff here and he's having a blast. And he has been the biggest pride and honor of our lives over the last couple of months as we've learned how to be parents, uh, father, mother, how to keep him alive. It's been quite the journey that we've been on, um, but happy to say he is doing amazing. Um, And so that kind of you know, he was born this last summer, right before things got really busy for us. Um, and so I'm going to hand it over to my wife and let her kind of talk through the last couple months of what we've been doing, what we've been able to be a part of, what Who has done in 2019. And I'll let you hear from her, vo- from her because her voice is prettier than mine. Mariah, would you come up and share about the last couple months?
2: Thank you. Thank you um, well, like Darren said, it's such an honor for us to be here today. Um, we're so, so blessed by Pastor Mark and Joni and Pastor Trevor and, and Lauren and everyone else here. Y'all are family. And <laughs> yeah, we're so, so grateful for you guys. Um, but like Darren said, um, this past summer has been, this past year, has been the craziest of our entire lives. It's been full um, of just the Lord and and miracles and challenges and just crazy to say the least. Um, we uh, not only had a new baby, but um, we hosted five interns uh, this past summer that that out of their own heart, out of their own desires said, um, I want to go down to Guatemala for two full months. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be discipled. I want to grow um, in my faith and in in my leadership and um, boy, did they. It was an incredible to see the young people that arrived and the young people that left because they were two different um, people. It was incredible, incredible help for us. And we know that that's something that God has called us to. Um, everybody, actually, is called, uh, we're called to make disciples of all the nations, right? We're called to um, lead people to Jesus and teach people how to lead people to Jesus. And we love, love doing it. We're excited to do that again this year. I'm sorry, in 2020, um, we have about 12 people interested, young people interested in joining us on the field for an extended amount of time. And we're excited to see what God does through those young people again this year. Um, we also had the privilege of hosting 127 people on the mission field this past summer. Um, and those that number represents not only People that came down and made an impact, wherever they were, um, they were all spread out throughout Central and South America, um, who made a a real legitimate impact in so many lives. But also those people left changed. Um, So many of you know, if you've been on a mission trip, you know this for sure, that when you go down, you do not come back the same um, and God allowed us, through those mission strips and through covenant and those ministries, we were able to build houses for widows and their children and for families in need That, that weren't even living in homes things that you could call homes under tarps and um just horrific situations we were able to meet those physical needs we were able to distribute food in rural villages out in the middle of nowhere um, where no cars can reach um, no planes can reach um, but we by foot brought them food Um, We also did school ministries, orphanage ministries. Um, We were able to pour into the local churches and pastors and their ministries. Um, But all that to say it was an incredible summer. But I just wanted to really quick share a testimony with you guys um, about this summer. We were able to travel to Costa Rica, uh, which was incredible. We were able to make a new connection with a pastor. His name was Pastor David. And he is a pastor of connections. It's a gift that God has given him. And he knew any and everybody in Costa Rica. And um, through that, he was was preaching, doing a revival service in in one of the indigenous villages in Costa Rica called Talamanca. And um, in that service, um, in walks the blood-right queen of that village. She sits in the back and she's listening to him share the gospel message. And the Holy Spirit just touches her. And at the end of that service, she comes forward and she gets saved. And it was phenomenal. God completely took her life and flipped it 180 degrees. And she um so on fire for the Lord, so in love with God that she wants her, she doesn't want to stop sharing what God has done in her until her entire village is saved and experiences the same change. This is a village that is, um, that practices witchcraft and um, is held by long, long generations um, of, of just evil and, and hurt. And uh, so it was incredible to, we got to meet her Um, she invited us into her home we stayed she opened her room her bed up to us we got to sleep on the queen's bed Um, but before that happened we were in pastor david's church and he was sharing with the congregation that we were headed to talamanca and after the service i was holding ezra and i had like 12 people come up to me and they said things like wow, are you, are you really going to that village? Do you, do you really think that's a good idea? I, you better be careful with your baby. I, maybe it's not the best idea for you to bring him. And this fear just started to rise up in me. And, and I started to question our, even being in Costa Rica, even being on the mission field. And I was like, God, what are you doing? And I was like, Darren, maybe we shouldn't go. Maybe I should stay back with Ezra. It's just safer that way. And he looked at me and he said, no. He said, you silence the enemy. God has called you to this. And he will not only protect you, but he'll protect your son. And I was like, OK. And I was still very fearful. So we went, and, and she invited us into her home. And, and this was a village in the middle of nowhere. We, le- we legit drove six hours in a car with a two-month-old baby. And, <laughs> and we get there, and then we had to walk. Quite a ways. We we then took a boat and walked some more. Um, But finally, we arrived there. We we spent the night, and the next morning, the queen's daughter was there with her son, and he was swinging outside in a hammock. And um, and I went out to and saw him, and he was so sweet. He was a chunky baby. He's big, so I'm thinking he's older, about six months old. And so I I meet the queen's daughter, and I and I let her know your baby's so sweet. How old is he? And she told me he's two months old. And I was like, wow, really? And I was like, when was he born? And she said, April 30th. And I was like, no way. I said, what time was he born? And she laughed. And it was crazy because Ezra was born on the same exact day. And when Pastor David heard of this, he he looked at us both and he said, it's no accident that you two and your children are here today. God has ordained this to happen and they will meet again. And this fear that I felt in my heart just faded away. And I was like, God, you've got me and you've got my son. I have nothing to worry about. And from that moment on, I have um, just been walking in that faith and that promise that when God calls you to something, when God asks you to do something, he will equip you. He will protect you. The safest place for you to be is in God's will. But we, that was just one story of all the incredible things God has done this summer. Um, We accomplished so much through Covenet in 2019. So go ahead and take a look at this video and see all that God did. Amen, amen. We had a
1: phenomenal summer and we are looking forward to 2020 and what God has in store. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys have been such a huge blessing uh, and, and partner to Hoovenet, to Caleb and Alyssa over the last couple of years through your prayers and through your financial support and coming down on trips. You guys have blessed us in more ways that we can express. And my hope this morning is that I would be able to return a little bit of that to you guys and bless you all this morning. God has put a word on my heart I'm excited to share with you guys. Um, And so before we jump into that, I just would like to pray to open this up this morning. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here at New Life, Father, to experience a little bit of who you are today, God. I just pray that your Holy Spirit, that your power and your presence would fall into this building, Lord, that we would, that we would receive real, impacting life change this morning, Father, that you would open up our minds, our ears, our eyes to hear you, Father, reveal your mysteries to us as we seek your face today. Um, and everybody said amen and Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Go ahead and grab your lunch. Pastor Trevor said I have three hours, so we are good to go. Uh, We're going to be turning to Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'll give you a second to get to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 38. Luke 10:38. Uh, the title to this section is Mary and Martha Worship and Serve. And so in verse 38, it states this, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so this morning, we're going to jump into three different scenes, three different encounters. And this is the first one. This is a a scene as if you were to pull it out of a movie where Jesus comes into a village and he almost knocks on this door and Martha walks up and she opens this door to Jesus standing there in front of her. And I don't know, other than fall over immediately, what else can we do when we see Jesus there as we open up the door? But she welcomes him into her home and he comes in and sits down and begins to talk and Mary and Martha are there listening to him. And then Martha does something that that I have been told to do my whole life. Whenever we have guests over, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, whenever guests are coming over, our moms tell us to go and clean. Go and clean the floors, go and vacuum, go and put things away, do the dishes. Guests are coming over, and so I've been there my whole life. My parents go and clean. Guests are coming over. So Martha, as this is all taking place, gets distracted, and, and, and she looks over at all the things that are needing to be done, and she kind, of, she kind of sways over here to maybe doing the dishes or serving food or preparing, and she's over here serving, and then because of that, this discontent grows inside of her heart, and so she looks over at Mary, who's just sitting there doing nothing, listening to Jesus, and, and she, she says to Jesus, what is she doing? Tell her to help me. I'm doing all this work and she's doing nothing. And then Jesus replies and he says, Martha, Martha, you've got it wrong. Mary has found what is good and it will not be taken away from her. And so in this, it gives us two sides. of It gives us two different examples. Somebody who got it and somebody that missed it. We have Mary and then we have Martha. If we go back a few pages, Bibles, we'll go back to Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, and we're going to start in verse 3. This is the anointing at Bethany, the title to this section. In Mark 14, verse 3, it says this. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was that franklin oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But then Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have. She has done what she could. She came, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be also told as a memorial to her. This is our second encounter with Jesus, where we we find in this another home sitting, this lady and the disciples, and this lady had taken everything that she made for an entire year, all of the funds that she could gather, all of her wages for a whole year. She goes out, and she buys this little jar of oil that is so valuable. It's, It's probably the most valuable thing that she has, and she brings that to Jesus, and she breaks it over his head, and you can just see the oil dripping down his hair, the fragrance filling up the room, and off to the side, we have the disciples who, who have the reaction that I probably would have had. In, in all honesty, the disciples say what I would have said. In our position, it's very easy to think, if only I had that much money, imagine what we could do. If I, if I just had $5,000, imagine the amount of people that we could feed. I've been there. I've had those thoughts. If only I had this, imagine what we could do with it. And so the disciples are all like, mad at her for doing this and just pouring it out. And, she's, and they say, well, imagine if we sold that, how much money that could be. And then imagine what we could do with all that money. So I know where they were coming from. But they, they criticize her because of what she did. And then, and then God steps in and he says, no, you guys missed it. My disciples, you missed it. What she has done is so valuable. And then he makes a statement that expresses the value of what she has done. He says, no matter where the gospel is preached in all of the world, what she has done will serve as a memorial to her, even now as we talk this morning. He expresses the value of what she had done, and the disciples completely missed the value of what was happening in the moment. So we have two sides there as well. The disciples, and then we have this young lady. If we go back uh, a few more pages and we end up in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 is where we're going to be. This is the, the story of Jesus when he restored to life a girl and, and a woman that he had healed. And so in verse 25, we're going to pick it up. Mark five twenty-five. it says this, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. When Jesus, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed from the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." This is such a, a wonderful encounter. This is huge. There are so many things that we could learn from this little section of scripture and i want to focus in on one part the power that that, that is happening here in this place and, and If you picture this image, this story, you just see Jesus coming into a town and he starts walking down the road and as he begins to walk, you hear the people off to the side maybe start whispering that 's Jesus. I think that might be Jesus. Could that be jesus i 've heard about this guy let 's go and let 's go and see him and so as he walks this crowd around him just begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger as these people want to follow him walking down the street. And off to the side, we see a woman who is, who is probably, I can imagine, so beaten up, so destroyed, so just down and depressed. And, and she's been battling the same thing for 12 years. For 12 years, she's been facing this mountain in front of her. For 12 years, she has been outcast by her community. For 12 years, she had been sitting in this pain of what is happening inside of her body. And so for 12 Years, long years, she had been dealing with this, and off to the side, there she is. And she hears the whispers Jesus, Jesus, his name being called out by the crowd. And then she says something amazing. She says in 28, She says, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And so she's off to the side, and she says, If only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. And if we usually, when we think about that word if, it's, it's, it's iffy, right? It's, it's like maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. It's, it's an if word. It's not constant. It's just maybe so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's nothing confident at all. But the, she uses it here in a completely different way. She says, if only I touch his clothes, I will be made well. That is a confident statement, amen? She's not saying, if I go up to him, and if I tell him what has happened to me, and if he chooses to, I will be made well. She says, if I touch him, I will be made well. And so you can just see her kind of fighting through the crowd and dodging people and just trying to get close enough to Jesus to where she could stretch out her arm and she just brushes his clothes. And in an instant, the power that was inside of Jesus begins to flow out of his body, into his clothes, into her hand, and down into her body. And what happens? In an instant, she is healed from this thing that she had been battling for 12 years. And I want to say this. She knew what it felt like to have this issue because she had had it for 12 years. And so when she was healed, she knew that she was healed because of how it felt. She knew that she was healed in an instant. She knew it. And so Jesus, realizing that the power had gone out of him, having felt it himself, he turns around to his disciples and he says, who touched me? And they give the normal response. They're kind of are you, are you crazy? There's so many people here. What, how could you even ask that question? Everybody's been touching you. You've been rubbing shoulders. We're all so just tight in here as this crowd has gotten so big. And he said, no, somebody touched me. And it was different than all of the other people that had touched me. It was different. Somebody touched me. And she, being there a little bit behind him, knowing that she'd been healed because she felt his power working inside of her, she comes up and she said, it was me. I touched you. And then he says, your faith has healed you. Go and be made well. Such a beautiful encounter, a beautiful story, a beautiful just victory in her life. But this story also gives us two sides of the coin. It gives us somebody who got it and somebody who missed it. And so in each of these three stories, how do they tie together? How do they all relate? They all have somebody who missed it and somebody who got it. And if I could sum that up into a phrase that makes more sense, it would be this. It is possible to be in his presence but miss out on his power. It is possible to be in his presence and miss out on his healing power. It is possible to be in his presence and miss out on his heart. Each of these stories give us two examples, Mary and Martha. Martha, who was distracted, ended up doing all the things, and Mary, who was focused in on Jesus listening to what he had to say, and she encountered him and had a moment with him and and realized the value of what was happening around here. In the second story, with the oil and the perfume, we have the lady who makes that act of surrender, and she sacrifices that oil over Jesus on his head, and then we have the disciples, Jesus' disciples, who missed it. And then in the last story, we have the lady with the issue of bleeding, who had a powerful encounter with God, and we had the crowd, everybody else, everybody else around him, everybody else who touched him, but for some reason didn't experience his power activating in their lives. This is something that I know all too well, and I think it's something that most church people, maybe specifically missionary kids and pastors, can experience in life. Church becomes so normal, mundane. I go because my parents go. They force me to go. I'm always in church every single day of my life, and so you can get stuck in the place where you're consistently in His presence, but still consistently missing out on the power in your life. I've been there all too much. And I deal with this on a few levels, not just in the church. Things to me become very normal very quickly in all honesty. And sometimes that can be okay, but sometimes that can be very bad as well when things become normal that aren't right. Being the way that, growing up the way that I did in a third world country, that level of poverty became so normal to me. Seeing those people live that way became so normal to me. Seeing that level of need became just another day for me. And so growing up that way and then serving under Juvenet over the last six years, that level of third world poverty was so normal to me that I didn't realize the value of what was happening around me. And it takes a few things. One of those are team members like yourselves that came down. When team members come down, they see something for the first time. They see it the way that God sees it, I believe, and the way that it should be seen. And they say, that's not right. What can we do about it? To where I maybe see it a little differently and it's just part of normal day life. And on a deeper level, God knew that I needed this in my life and so he sent me Mariah. God knew that I needed her in my life to reset my perspective because I had, it had been my everything and it was, it was so different from how she grew up. That time spent out of, a con- out of this country, in a third world country, so she came down for the first time and we saw the same thing and I was fine and her heart was broken. And a a story that explains this a little deeper is that uh, when we moved down there as full-time missionaries and we were hosting a team and we ended up on the souvenir day where we go out and buy souvenirs and we're walking down this street and there's just stores everywhere and there's people walking around selling baskets of souvenirs. Some of the poorest of the poor in Guatemala are the people that carry around a little basket of, of 10, 20 souvenirs and they try and sell it to people walking down the street. And so as we're walking off to the side over here, we see a family off to the right, a father, a mother, and two, two sons. Maybe the older one was, was eight or nine, and the other one maybe five or six years old. And they start arguing, and this dad starts yelling at his son, the youngest one. And then he raises up his hand, and he comes down, boom, and he strikes his, his youngest son on the head. And, and then they walk off all angry, and they leave him there sitting on. He falls down onto the curve, and he just sits there holding his basket, just bawling his eyes out. And it hurts me to say this, but it didn't impact me the way that it should have. And I, and I saw it happen, and I said, wow, uh, I just, you know, sorry. And I'm, it's a sh- I'm ashamed to share that with you, but I did. I, it, didn't, it didn't connect much with me. And then I looked over, my wife is heartbroken, crying her eyes out, and she does the right thing with the correct perspective. She walks over to him as fast as she can. She sits down next to him. She puts his arm around him, and she holds him, and they just cry together. And then she starts praying and, and speaking life over him. And because of that, then my heart broke and I realized that I had missed it. God did something around us. There was an opportunity that presented itself and I missed out on it because I wasn't in the right place and Mariah got it. She got it, and I missed it. And so for me, God knew that I needed her to reset my perspective. And she knew, God knew that I needed her to come down to Guatemala and say, this kid who has been selling souvenirs since he could walk and talk just to bring home a little bit of money so they can eat as a family, that's not right, and we need to fix it. That family living under that tarp who has been there their entire lives, whose their kids know nothing else, that's not right, and we need to fix it. He knew that I needed her in my life to correct that perspective and that shift inside of my heart. And so you can be in his presence and miss out on his power, missing out on the value of what's happening around you. You need to know that God is consistently and always doing things around us. God never stops working. He never stops doing things around us. Every moment of every day, God will provide opportunities and there will be things happening around us and it's up to us to put ourselves in a position to where either we will miss out on what he's doing around us or we will be able to be a part of the value and realize and, and experience God's heart in the moment. And so in each of these three stories, I want to pull something out, and if you're taking notes, there'll be three notes here to where we can do, we can build daily disciplines and life habits to put ourselves in a position where we're not missing out on the fullness of what God has for us in life. And so in the first story with Mary and Martha, I believe that we need to have a focused heart, that we need to have a focused heart. Martha got distracted by the things around her, by her finances, by, by her job, by her kids, by her husband, by the things that she's dealing with, by her stress. Stress, just thre- theoretically speaking here. She got distracted by the things around her and missed out on the most valuable thing in the room, and Martha did it. Mary did it. Mary was sitting at his feet, focused in on the most important thing in the room. The most important thing in the room. And so we need to have a focused heart. Every day we need to wake up and we need to correct our perspective and our focus to not focus in on the things we're dealing with. Those can't be our main focus. We need to focus in on God and Jesus and our relationship with him, the most important thing in the room. What does that look like? Obviously, diving into his word, setting time apart to just be silent and hear from him, to pray, to worship, to set some music, a daily habit to where we start our day by focusing in on the most important thing in our lives. Focus in on him. That's the first one in that story. And then so in the second one, with the perfume and the disciple, I believe that we need to have a heart of surrender. That we need to have a heart of surrender. We see this woman who takes the most valuable thing in her life and she surrenders and sacrifices it to Jesus. Sometimes it's easy for us to hold on to those things. To hold on to the pain, the hurt, the grief, you're not unforgiveness. It's easy to hold on to those things. And it's our job to surrender those, to say, Lord, I'm tired of this. Please take it from me. And not only the things that are hard, but our dreams, our visions, our goals for the future. Sometimes it's easy to cast our own vision of what my life is going to look like. And, oh, these are my dreams, but, but is that God's dream for me? So we need to take those things that are most valuable to us and surrender them to Jesus. And let me tell you this. When you pick something up, it's heavy. In this, this race that we call life, if you pick something up, you pick up a bag this baggage if you pick it up it's heavy when God gives you something it's light when God gives you something it's easy to deal with it's light to carry it's not a burden why because he wants to take you from greater to greater when we pick things up it's hard and it weighs us down and it pulls us down and we end up not going from greater to greater but maybe in the opposite direction but when God gives us something it's light and easy to carry And so we need to have a heart of surrender, a daily habit to say, Lord, here I am. Take me. Please, God, I give you everything. I don't want to hold back a certain part of my heart. I don't want to hold back these things. I want you to have access to my entire being so that I can completely be used by you. And you can shine lights on the dark areas. And you can help me heal in these things that are broken. And I can let go of some of these things, my pride, my anger, my unforgiveness. I can let those go. And pick up only what you have for me and for my life, a heart of surrender. In the last one, in Mark 5, the lady with the issue of bleeding in the crowd, I believe that we need to have an expectant heart, an expectant heart. Her statement, if if only I may touch him, I will be made well, that was an expecting statement. She said, if I can get to him and if I can touch him, I will be made well. She expected God to move in her life. If we never expect God to do anything, chances are we won't see it. Yes, there are times when God and His power and His love for us comes in and wrecks everything, and He does what only He can do. Yes, those times exist, but we need to make it a daily lifestyle habit to expect to see God and to hear God move in our lives. But there is an order here. There's a reason why these three are set in this place. You can't just expect things without doing the first two. You can't expect God to do something in your life when you're not setting time aside to talk with Him to speak with Him, to pray with Him, to be spoken to by Him. There's an order. We need to focus in on the most important thing in the room. Then we need to surrender every part of who we are so that we can see God working in our lives. I, in my marriage, as a husband, as as a father, I want to live the fullest life that I can live I don't want to miss out on anything I want to live the life that God has placed the calling on my life and so I want that for me and for my family but I want that for you guys for every person in here I don't want us to live in a place where we're missing out on the value of what's happening around us I don't want to I don't want any of us to live in that place I want us all to transition to a place of consistently living these these disciplines so that we can experience the fullness of what God has called you to God has called you to great things more than you can imagine and it's up to us to put ourselves in a position to either receive it and see it and be a part of it or to maybe miss it. Our lives from the beginning were created for one thing, to bring glory and honor to our Father. Our lives were created to glorify God and His greatness and so it's up to us to do everything that we can to live a life that honors and glorifies Him. My why and our why needs to be the same, and it is this. We're at the end of our race, at the end of this journey that we're on, at the end of our lives, when we come before those gates and we see him standing there in front of us, we will hear the words, my son or my daughter, I am proud of you. That needs to be our desire. Our hearts cry every single day to say, Lord, I want to make you proud today. I want to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you've placed on me. I want to be a son and a daughter that you can be proud of so that when that day comes, I will hear my son, my daughter, I am proud of you. You handled well. You were a good steward of what I gave you. But you need to know that in this calling, in this journey that God has placed for you, for your life specifically Because he is a good, good father, he will not call you to something that you are not able to fulfill. You need to know that you have everything inside of you. You are not less than, you are not lacking just because of the mistakes that we've made along the way. Those things don't add up to I can't get there. If God has called you to something, he will supply every single need along the way and he will equip you with everything that you need to get there to experience the fullness of this calling in this life, to, to have those breathtaking moments where we just can't do anything but stand back and say, my God, how great are you? How great are you? And this needs to be your final thing at the end of every day, and it's what Mariah and I have built into our missions trips. At the end of every trip, we take every miracle, every beautiful thing that happened, every kid that was saved, every hug that was shared, we take it all up, and we gather it together in our hearts, and we lift it up before God, and we say, Lord, look at what you did. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. At the end of every day, that's what we need to do, is build that, that discipline to do that, to say, God, look at what you did. Thank you for letting me be a part of it, because I didn't deserve any of it in the first place. I don't deserve the wife that I have, the kids that I have, the life that I have. I don't deserve anything that I have. I don't, I don't. But God, you've chosen me. You've called me. You've equipped me. Thank you for letting me be a part of what you are doing around me. To put ourselves in our place and him in his place. Not to expect great things and when they happen, say, wow, look at what I did. That's not the That's not the goal is to be a part of what God is doing so that God could be used in and through you to touch the nations, the generations, and it's also your responsibility then to take that and point it back. God, look at what you did. Thank you for letting me be a part of that. This beautiful thing wraps up into this statement of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And so this, this message all pointing back to that, I want you to live the fullness, the greatness, the calling in which God has placed on you. I want you to, to live that and not to miss out on it. I want you to experience that so that when we are in that place and we're consistently seeing the value of what's happening around us, we're consistently being a part of what God is doing. We're consistently uh, giving back to God what he has given us. We're living in that place so that we can be able and equipped to go and make disciples of all the nations. God has given you everything that you need, not only for you, but for people around you and for for the ability to go and impact the generations. Who are you discipling? Who are you pulling alongside of you? I don't even know. I don't even want to know who I would be if it wasn't for Caleb Mooney, who pulled me in and and was the first person to disciple me and walk with me and grow with me and help me through those challenges, help me to learn, help me through those moments in life that just beat you down. Without him, I don't even know where I would be, and I don't want to know. And God has called you to do that same thing for other people. So my question is this. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into? Who are you, who are you loving? Who are you supporting? What young person, what other person in your life can you bring alongside of you and walk this journey with them and help them when they fall and be there for them? My goal is that this message can go two ways. One, it could help us to maybe look internally and say, where am I maybe missing or what do I need to adjust? On the inside, what, what, where am I at? Am I missing out on the value of what is happening around me? Am I not focusing in with God in the way that I should be? Am I not surrendering a certain part of my heart? Am I holding on to something, some grudge? Some, am I holding on to something that I need to release because it's weighing me down? Am I expecting God to do amazing things in my life? Or am I just living the mundane day-to-day, stuck in my rut not expecting anything awesome to happen? That's the first one, is that it would, it would cause us to look internally and say, am I missing out on the value and the power of what's happening around me? So that we can receive the healing, we can, we can let go of those things, we can focus in, we can build these habits so that we can be in the place to where God is able to use us to impact the people around us. And then that's the second one. Once we've gone through that, then it's the second one. Who can I help get there as well? Who can I help? Who can I help disciple as well? Who can, I, who can I pull alongside of me? Who can I support? Whether it's, in, in, in any way that that looks like, whatever God is calling you to do. It's for us and then for everybody else because we are called to make disciples of all the nations. At the end of the day, like I said, our lives to bring glory and honor to our Father so that when we stand there at that place and we hear those words, we look back and we say, wow, hopefully I helped other people get there too. So that they can live the fullness of what God is calling them to. So that they can experience the fullness of His love that He has for them. That they would know what it means to be a son and a daughter of the one true King. Amen? That's my desire for each of us here in this place. That we can do those two things. We can build these lifestyle habits. These these disciplines. God has called you in some powerful ways. More than you can imagine. And I don't want you to miss out on any of it. I know your pastors don't want you to miss out on any of it. That's why they do what they do is so that we can help the people around us grow and go from greater to greater. God is our foundation. He is always our foundation, but there are pillars in life that help hold us up as well. You guys have been one of those for Hoovenet and for us personally and for Caleb and Alyssa over the years through your prayers and your support, your financial support, coming down on trips. We can't do what we do if you don't come down on trips, those types of things. God has called you. He has called you to go and make disciples of all the nations, and He has given you everything that you need to do that. Our job is just to remove doubt and fear so that our faith can operate in the way in which it was designed. As they come up and maybe play some guitar and piano, I just want to take some time this morning to respond. This is a responsive message to where we take a moment and we look inward and we say, all right, God, what am I missing? What am I missing, and and how can I change that? It's we're going to take a few minutes to look inward and to just sit and, and pray inwardly and say, Lord, please reveal to me the areas in which I can grow. Please reveal to me the areas in which you have called me to do better. And please reveal to me the areas in which I need to let go. The areas in which I need to surrender unto you the fullness of who I am. To lay down your life before him, to die daily and pick up only what he has for you. And then pray that we would be able to go out, out of these doors, equipped and ready to impact the world, the generations, the nations around us, in our families, in our homes, in our places of work, and in our schools, that God would use us to add value to everybody else around us as well. He's called you to do it. He's equipped you to do it. And today, I hope that we can reset, refocus, as I had Mariah, and I have have you guys that come down, and, and hopefully today we can together as a family look and assess and say, all right, where, where am I and how can I, how can I grow and take those next steps? So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we focus in for a few seconds, just you and God, nobody knows you other than you and Jesus, the inside parts, the depth of who you are. And just take a moment to say, Lord, reveal to me if there is any, any area in which I need to grow. Am I not focusing on you? as much as I should? Am I not separating time to be still, to be quiet, to pray and to worship? Am I not focusing in on you? Am I holding on to something that doesn't belong in my heart? Am I holding on to some pain and some hurt, some dream, some goal? Am I holding on to these things that are weighing me down and which need to be released, Father, so I can walk in the freedom and the lightness of which you have called me to walk in? Lastly, God, am I expecting to hear from you? Am I expecting to see you work in my life? Am I expecting to be a part of, of the things that are happening around me so that I don't miss out on opportunities and moments in which I can be help and I can share love and I can bring peace to those who are lost? God, thank you so much for this opportunity this morning to be here with our New Life family, Lord. I just wanna pray a blessing of every person in this room, God, that this, this morning, today, the reason that they're here is not an accident, but an ordained encounter with you, Father, to where your Holy Spirit is working and speaking in our hearts and in our lives so that we can step into the fullness of what you've called us to do, so that we can live a life worthy of our calling. Lord, I pray for every person here that they would be able to reset focus every single day to the most important thing in the room that we'd be able to surrender everything of who we are for everything that you have for us that we would expect father to be used by you to see you work inside of us father to impact the next generation one life at a time to go and make disciples of the nations to put aside doubt and fear and to rise up to rise up into the man and the woman of god that you are called to be That we would put aside the childish ways and we would step into the newness, God, of what you have for us. That every person here, Father, would be that bright, shining light, Father, that when people encounter them, people would say, wow, where are they? What do they have and and how can I get that? And then you would equip them with the necessary tools that they need to guide and to lead and to, to help this community and this nation and point them back towards you, Father. God, we ask these things of you this morning that you would speak to us, Father. That you would help us grow. That you would take us from greater to greater. That we would be children that make you proud. That we would live a life that brings glory and honor to you, Father. That is our goal. That is our heart. That is our desire, Father. To help other people get there too. To experience your love, Father. We worship you this morning. We thank you this morning. We give you the glory and the honor for this time today, Lord. You are a good, good Father. Thank you, Jesus. And as a family, as a community, we take what is happening here today, we give it back to you, and we say thank you, Father. Thank you for letting us be a part of this journey, this life, in which you have called us to. Thank you for believing and trusting us. We do not deserve it, but we are grateful that you have chosen us for such a time as this to bring your word and your heart to people around us. We love you today, Lord. We love you, Father. In your name. As a family, as a new life family, we said amen and amen. Thank you guys so much, Pastor, for this opportunity. Like I said, please continue praying and and supporting us in any way possible. It means the world to us. Can't thank you enough and hopefully we will see you again when God has it planned.
0: Praise God. Darren, thank you so much. What an important and powerful word. It becomes so easy for us to just get so used to going through the routine of life that we miss what it is that God is doing. And we're just going through our everyday life. We're in the presence, but we've missed the power. What an important word for us as we enter into this Christmas season. It's so easy to get consumed with all the things and all the stuff and all the busyness and forget about the power of what God has done. And so church, I want to encourage you. Take that to heart. Don't, don't just be in his presence and miss his power. Amen? Do me a favor. Would you stretch out your hands towards Darren and Mariah? Let's uh, bless them in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the call of God that's on their life and on their family. We ask, Holy Spirit of God, that you would bless them and encourage them, God, as they are faithful to do what you've called them to do in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trial and tribulation and all the struggles that come with being in the mission field. God, I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord. We ask, God, that you would bless them. You know their every need, God. You know the needs that they don't even know they have themselves. And, Lord, we ask, God uh, God, that you would bless them. God, that you would take care of them, that you would provide for them supernaturally in every aspect, in every area, Lord. God, financially, emotionally, God, spiritually, in every side of it, Lord, that you would bless them abundantly, God, that their cup would overflow and, and God, pour out on all of those around them, Father. We thank you for it. God, we bless their family. We bless their baby, God. Keep them safe. And Lord, continue to draw them, Lord, that every. God, everywhere that they go, God, every piece of ground that they place their foot would be marked as holy ground, Father. We thank you for that, God. We worship you today, and our hearts go with them. We thank you for it in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, church, we would uh, love to pray with you this morning, so don't feel like you have to rush out. The altar is open. Uh, we would love to pray with you. I know Darren and Mariah would love to pray with you as well. So feel free to, to, to stay, to worship as the band plays. One last song to come and to receive some prayer. But if you have to go, we dismiss you. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend and a, a great week this week. And we'll see you next week. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.